You're listening to the Rogers Waterfowl Podcast. This is A.A. Ron Jones. Chandler Smith here. Let's talk some waterfowl. We got some rigging system to where we got all four headsets to run through a uh, mixer yep. into the, the end of the phone. That's what happens when you get four high-tech rednecks. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> right. The same table. That's exactly right. And Bales, what's up? Can you guys, somebody let let us know if you could hear us. Loud and clear. Casting blast. What's going on? We at Rogers with yeah. these cool cats. Yeah. yeah. Um this is waterfowl waterfowl weekends right now, and we're mm-hmm. about to tonight's like the the day before the big weekend. Tomorrow and Saturday and Sunday is the uh, the big duck calling event, and uh, it's kind of the calm before the storm right now. So, I tell you what, you get really excited seeing all the gear in here and all the people oh, in yeah. here, oh, man. and then you're hearing the duck calls in the background, everybody yeah. testing mm-hmm. them out. Man, mm-hmm. it just gets your old hair on the back of your neck mm-hmm. up. Boy. For oh, a lot yeah. of the employees here, we've talked about it for the last several years that. You know, it's it's summer and you're just kind of in that in-between mode. But as soon as this weekend takes place at the store, everybody just instantly switches and oh, they're yeah. all fired up because you got Dove in like less than a month. Oh, and yeah. then Teal is right after that. And then yeah. early goose season. And then, I mean, it all starts here real quick. And all the new products rolling in. Oh, yeah. That's what I, you know, I went through the store looking around and seeing all the new gear. Just, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. yeah. Just get you going, that's for sure. Yeah. So I guess uh, for guys – in the future here listening through podcasts let's go around the table and uh, introduce everybody um i'll start with i'm chandler smith from roger sporting goods i'm a.a ron jones also roger sporting goods i do social media chandler does a lot of our marketing advertising yep. and then we are joined from uh, two guests here a.a ron you kin to a rod <laughs> are y'all related no, no it's from no. uh it's, we, it's Peel, a joke yeah. from the keenan peel skit um, i'm billy campbell and I'm Dennis Leisure. We got the foul hunter mm-hmm. and the Doctor Duck. 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 Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So earlier we were talking about your thoughts on spinning wing decoys. You guys hunt East Texas. What what's it like using spinning wing decoys? How you tell us. <laughs> <laughs> we you know, they're just educated. You know, time they get down to Texas, they're yeah. they're Ivy League. I'm just telling you, they're well educated. Uh the spinning wing decoys is just, you know, we haven't seen very have very effective good luck with it uh the main thing is it does get their attention it does draw them in mm-hmm. but it doesn't finish them they flare off before they get right into shooting range and uh they just seen it and you know of course we're hunting over 90 percent water mm-hmm. where we're from too and i guess you guys are used to hunting fields a little bit of both a little yeah. bit of both bit, so yeah. you know a lot of times too i think it's sometimes maybe the little reflection off the water too mm-hmm. when they get in they can see a mirror you know of that flashing wing off the you know just doesn't look natural to them so they I, you know that's my guess they pick that up and it flares them out uh and then mm-hmm. there again too up here y'all y'all hunt bigger groups of ducks compared to what we hunt in in, in texas too where y'all see bigger volleys mm-hmm. than what mm-hmm. we see so um it educates them a little bit. Yeah. So when they get down oh, there, yeah. and like I said, they got an Ivy League education, so yeah. it's, it's really I, tough. I wonder how many spinning wings a duck has seen by the time it's down. Oh, by the time it's made its journey to its final resting place, how many spinning wings has a duck seen? Yeah, it's, I mean, kudos to that duck for making it that far. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. He's, yeah, he's a survivor if he's yeah. made it clear down there. No kidding. And you know, a lot of states, and you know, you take Arkansas, Texas was, I think, was like one vote away from outlawing the spinning wings too. So mm. we got some. You know, so that's starting to happen. I seen more mm-hmm. little bit yeah. more states as well is that they're trying to get rid of the the battery operated yeah. stuff. 
So, so you guys rely more on water motion, jerk rig. Jerk rigs yeah. all the way. Yeah, jerk mm-hmm. strings. We like using the jerk strings. With, you know, sometimes if we, we see a need, you know, we'll put a spreader on the jerk string as mm-hmm. well. So we'll do that just to, you know, have a different look. Yeah. Have more decoys moving as well. So yeah. um, I think water motion, I think, is really – I love water motion. If I can get the whole spread to be just covered in ripples and stuff flashing and all muddy, mm-hmm. that looks real to me. Yeah. yeah. So be, we all kicking, pulling the jerk oh, string. Yeah. Making a ruckus. Oh, yeah. Have you ever, you know, been around ducks in the water like that? They're not quiet either. I mean, they're, they make all sorts of noise back there. Yeah. Well, I know. couldn't say how many times, you know, on a, on a volley with kill a bird and you got that one that's trying to weasel out the end of the spread and the trees on the other side, you send the dog, and that dog gets in there making a bunch of racket in the trees, and you'll see a duck try and sit on that dog <laughs> just from hearing all the commotion mm-hmm. inside the trees, you know? Yeah. But for sure. So y'all, we were talking earlier too. Y'all had a great turnout last weekend, huh? Yeah, for oh, the yeah. goose part. We had the yeah. We kind of had to split this weekend up, and last weekend was our the goose side of things, and uh, we had all the goose calling uh, competitions were on uh, Saturday, and we had you know the junior and rookies, you know thirteen and under, nine and under, intermediate, which is sixteen and under, novice, which is. Uh, like if you haven't won a not once you win a novice you got to jump up to the the opens and the other stuff like that, so it's kind of like the you're you're almost there to the to elite level, and then you have we open in two man, and the open in two man was an awesome contest to watch. Mm-hmm. If you jump on our Facebook page and watch, if, if you want to sit some time and listen to the world's best goose callers, um, the open had them, and we had like so many tie rounds. I think there was two tie breaking rounds. I think there's three. Was there three? Yeah. There might have been. Gosh, it was. Yeah, there was a tie for first. It was intense, yeah. But some of these callers up here were three-time world champions. Like they had the, they're retired. Like the, you know, Hunter Grounds who won it. He, uh, he got the triple crown. You know, won it three times, and you know that's kind of he. Re, he was the youngest to retire from the world call, goose calling championship. Mm-hmm. And then there's, I mean, there's some other guys who have, or either there who've already done that and are field hunting all and sure. And a bunch of these guys are just. Had some sticks up there. And Wait, the guys that won, they took home $4,000, too. Yeah. That ain't a bad deal. <laughs> no. For blowing on a goose call. That's right. That's a good paycheck <laughs> yeah. for that day. That's for sure. Can't yeah. get upset about that. Do you feel a little beard inadequate at this table? Yeah, I, I, do. I shaved it all off last year. <laughs> mine's, yeah. mine's short. It's trim. And these guys, they're, they're rocking the full beard. Uh, I did that all duck season last year. Yeah. yeah. Do you ever find it getting caught in your zipper? That's why I cut mm-hmm. mine. I always get it caught in my zippers. And yeah. you, learn, you, you learn after a while. <laughs> what you know what to do and what not do it you know my biggest deal is i like to eat well yeah and i figured out i can actually eat my hamburger and floss my teeth at the same time <laughs> <laughs> i mean you gotta learn you can't just come straight up with a hamburger no more no you gotta you got to go out here and go around you gotta take yeah. it out and bring it in <laughs> yes take it out and bring it in so oh. east texas um Man, uh, I've been down there a lot. My family uh, is from Texas, all over oh, Dallas, okay. Fort Worth, uh, Austin, Houston, all the way from like Midland and West Texas and Lubbock. And my grandfather lives on Lake Fork. Oh, so nice. I go, I go down there bass fishing um, every year. But, There's some uh, good fish in that yeah, lake. He lives on Dale Creek, and it's a blast. But yeah. what kind of, you know, uh, so you're talking about mainly 90% water. What kind of water are you dealing with? Reservoirs or are you dealing with more backwater stuff? Well, Lake Fork's probably one of our main lakes that we duck hunt. So um, just to yeah. be honest with you, so it's it's a great lake as far as, you know, the duck hunting. It's probably one of the popular lakes around mm-hmm. that area. Um, so we got some WMAs up to about two hours north of that that we hunt as well. Mm-hmm. 
so it's it's mainly boats and chasing yeah. them on water. You know, mm-hmm. Texas is 95% or probably more than 95% privately owned. Mm-hmm. So, and we don't do the farming anymore. You won't see the milo fields and the cornfields in East Texas. You, mm-hmm. you will when you get further west or in the Panhandle. But far as East Texas, it's got into beavers. Yeah, you, you, we, we rely hunted. on beavers. We, we rely on beavers and beaver ponds. Mm-hmm. But you know, we got into barbed wire fence and coastal grass and cattle, and that's what you're going to see mm-hmm. in East Texas. So, and that's not very popular for ducks. So, so usually we have to find them on the water. Yeah. So. So so bigger water. Bigger yeah. water, and you know we you know of course you know the the, the puddle ducks you're going to be on the north end of the lake, mm-hmm. and and so. Um, that's mainly where we do most of our scouting to be on the north end. Yeah. So. The north end of the Lake Fork's real ducky, I would yeah. imagine. Yes, yeah. it is. Lots of trees and uh, yeah, a lot of lily pads too. Well, I don't know about that time of year, but well, Texas could probably do a little better job. Which I love my home state, but we could do a little bit better job for us. The waterfowl for us, like picking up a page from Arkansas, having a little better levee systems on our rivers. We have some access to where we could do that. And I, you know, to me, you know, Texas is a deer state, and mm-hmm. they they put deer first and. Mm-hmm. I wish they would do a better job of maybe putting a little bit of waterfowl because a lot of our young guys, like yourself, and you know, it's hard for the younger guys to go deer hunting because the leases has got so expensive. But they, you know, they can go out on the lakes. The lakes are public; mm-hmm. they can duck hunt. So, I'd like to see Texas take a page and maybe open that access up. Maybe do some levee systems and maybe get a little bit more flooded timber because we do have flooded timber when the river's up and out mm-hmm. but we can't retain it because once the river starts going down then of course we lose our water so it it takes a perfect storm for us in texas to to be in the timber and have success we got to have the water flooding to get at the riverbanks out the cold fronts to happen all that stuff's got to come together for yeah. we have great success yeah. and, and it's very hard to do yeah i can only I can only imagine uh, that, that perfect storm. You, you, you had a lot of elements there that had to come yeah, together. Yeah, a lot of them. So, you know, Arkansas, they can waiver that because they got the, the levee system. So they can, once they get the water in there, and uh, they can retain it so the, the cold fronts eventually will come. So, you know, so that's that's the thing that they have over us. And then our neighbor, Oklahoma, they do a better job of waterfowl, too, even on their public waters. They'll seed around the lakes. They'll, they'll, they'll get a helicopter or, or an airplane. I, I don't know which one's which, but mm-hmm. they'll seed. They'll drop millet out and stuff like that around their – they'll actually, like, one of the lakes, they'll actually intentionally drop it three feet, seed yeah. around it, let it germinate, and mm-hmm. then they'll raise it back up. And, you know, and it's just cutting us off, yeah. you know, so – Every mm-hmm. state in the north is doing a better job every year of cutting Texas off. Yeah. <laughs> but that's just the nature and of M- it. And Missouri does pretty good, too, really. You go a lot to uh, um, some of the, the places around here, and they'll have farmers come in that will farm a lot of the areas that they flood, but then they'll tell them, hey, leave this section, and you know we'll flood that. Or they'll cut rows through it and then flood it. So mm-hmm. they, they do pretty good helping hunters, mm-hmm. too, a lot of the conservation areas. So um, yeah. you know a lot of it's walk-in or... or Unless you've got a boat, you can run some certain areas. But, um, I, I mean, Missouri has tons of great public areas yeah. for both deer, um, waterfowl. Yeah. Um, and, of course, Squaw Creek up north is like Snow Goose capital of the world. But <laughs> yeah. there's tons of Snow Goose. But Missouri, we're pretty fortunate here um, in, in how they handle the conservation department. And all of the information is on our website and detailed maps and uh, of all the conservation areas. So, yeah. I mean, kudos to them for the waterfowl. And, and yeah. they do a lot with dove, too. They, they do a pretty good job there. Um, 
I, I would say. Don't you agree that Missouri mm -hmm. does pretty good with the waterfowl? And yeah, I, I, I do. I mean, yeah, we're, we're very lucky, I think, in this area, mm -hmm. this this part of the state. To, I mean, even though we're on the St. Louis side, I think it's all, all rain pretty well. Sure. I mean, we've got some pretty big river systems, too, to, to benefit from. But Well, yeah, the Mississippi and Missouri both. And that's yeah. where a lot of your conservation areas are up and down both river systems. But, I mean, yeah, we're, we're pretty blessed. So how did you guys get with Realtree? Actually, we're blessed to be with Realtree, and I'm very happy to be with sure. Realtree. And, uh, you know, we just there were some talks and some conversations mm -hmm. between us. And, you know, we worked with other brands in the past. And mm -hmm. uh, talking to those guys out there, they're just, uh, man, it's just like talking to you. They're just mm -hmm. normal and, and open up the door and, and just uh, – done a great job of just allowing us to be us and that's yeah. one thing we was looking for and and, and we look at it as kind of coming home for us you know sure. they've been around a long time yeah. and you know when the, when our kids were my kids are a little older than a little older than his and and uh you know having the kids in honey you know that's a, that's the stuff we was wearing mm -hmm. oh yeah you know it's just an opportunity for us we felt like to kind of come home to where we sure. started and it, it just fit made a lot of sense and for how us. long have you been with them now this will be our first season we've first been season. with them we was with them last season mm -hmm. but this will be our first season back into the video and, and getting back sure. onto our program and so we're really excited about that because you know anytime that you're making a switch you mm -hmm. you know you want to allow that transition to take place and be respectful to the people you worked with in the past. And so uh, Realtree was real understanding about that mm -hmm. and, and just that's just how they are. And sure. that's one of the things that, that attracted me and him to Realtree was just how they are. And that's, uh, you know, they, they put people first and, and, and that's why, we've, why we went to Realtree. Yeah, kind of a good old boy type yeah, mentality. Yeah, it, it's every bit of that. So we're, we're just blessed to be part of that team yeah. now. Yeah, we use a we got a Rogers product that we we have Max Five on layup mm -hmm. lines and gun cases and stuff like that, and we've always worked well with Realtree, mm -hmm. and so it's a good pattern, all-purpose pattern. What's the goal? Yeah, but, uh, we have a great relationship with them as well. Yeah. So and you know the thing I like about it is you know when they say it's about the family, it really is. Mm -hmm. They really mean that. So you know we feel part of their family, and we're very blessed in that way. Yeah. Excellent. So 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 down there in Texas. I imagine scouting has to be a, a big part of your guys' job, and then scouting is a very hard thing to do in Texas because number one, you know, everybody's scouting the same spot, so you, mm -hmm. you you know you can hit and miss, but just because one guy was 20 minutes earlier than you, and and you know, and you might not seen something that that guy seen, so uh, the advantage of scouting in Texas is spending a lot of time out there uh, doing your homework, and I mean spending time from maybe sun up to sundown sometimes and just watching birds fly because a lot of times when they're flushed out if you're patient enough those birds will start returning to where they want to be uh so you have to spend a little time out there because you you'll be scouting against guys that's you know i've scouted against guys before it's been 10 other boats on the lake and it's pretty hard to do because the mud motors are loud they do make the ducks get up and fly off so there's uh Certain ways you have to scout, you have to be very, very patient, kind of like a fisherman, you know. So um, it's kind of like that detail to it. So it's a lot very of competition difficult. for the same spot. A lot of competition for the same spot. I, I tell people all the time, there's no secret holes anymore on public land. It's just, you know, too many guys have got the, the surface drive boats now, and uh, you got a lot, of, a lot of more younger guys doing it because that's the only thing they can do. They're not, they're looking for something to do.
because they can't go out and deer hunt anymore really because unless you get on a lease because everything is no either no trespassing or it's leased that's just texas mm-hmm. so um so it just it brought more competition to the waterfowl world which i i to me i think that's a good thing uh it just it's growing our industry and you know so um that's the one thing I do appreciate, and I try I mean, to open open arms with all those guys out there. I mean, you got to admit, historically, when people talk about duck hunting, you don't hear a lot of people talking about, hey, let's go down to East Texas. Mm-mm. No, you're not going to choose East you Texas. You know, I mean, but we probably, you know, starting, I mean, we've been hunting 20-plus years together there, and we've been able to find, you know, success. And as it becomes more competitive, because, like he said, more people are becoming involved there, we've, we've kind of traveled a little more mm-hmm. uh you know i mean we're very conveniently located there we're only you know three hours from arkansas two and a half three hours from oklahoma a mm-hmm. uh, couple couple and a half from three hours from louisiana so we've got access i mean the area is good mm-hmm. you know we're not far off the mark mm-hmm. you just gotta you gotta travel and be willing to do that and that's what i was telling guys all the time if, you, if you're scouting an area and you don't see anything you're like don't be scared to move and go another hour, hour and a half, two hours down the road. Because yeah. I'd rather go spend my time scouting to find the ducks than I would just, you know, hunting a spot that I didn't have a lot of confidence yeah. in. Hoping I, praying. I, yeah, I'd rather sacrifice another day of scouting trying to find that hole and having a better time of hunting mm-hmm. than I would just, you know, stay in an area that, you know, you're you're wishing for and ducks. We, and yeah. we talk a lot about, as, as a lot of people do, that are not just passionate about ducks but passionate about other animals too you know it's about the journey it's not always just about you know mm-hmm. pulling the trigger oh, yeah. mm-hmm. and for him especially scouting is a very enjoyable passionate part of the game for him you know for me it, i like to work birds and watch them work oh, and man. stuff but that's the best part i think yeah <laughs> <laughs> i'm with you on that if but they would just sit there and scout do that all day. before you before you can, before <laughs> sure. you can find right. them work them so if they could just do that all day I mean, that'd be the best <laughs> thing in the world yeah. and i'm i'm of the same i guess i know chandler we've talked about it before i enjoy the actual work too the throwing the decoys the dragging them out the yeah. getting up the throwing the gear in the boat or the truck i i like it all yeah not necessarily just pulling the trigger but I, I like all of it the work you put into it because i think you get more out of it yeah. oh yeah the more I mean, you put in the more rewarding. you get out. i mean because some, some hunting styles i mean you, the work is put in different times of the year or there's not much work put in yeah. and you go out and uh this year but like water i mean every day it seems like if you're running um if you're setting out every day i mean you're hiking in all the gear and throwing out and it's just a work you got to get up real early you know, it's this big buildup to the hunt, and it's very rewarding when everything goes goes well, and you actually have a good hunt. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, to me, on public land, and, and that's where we our roots are from, is you know the challenge of doing that successful hunt on public land. I think it just raises the bar. I mean, a lot of guys on private land, I'm not knocking them. I mean, I'm, they're blessed to have that spot and and and, and utilize it. And uh, but you know, there's a you know the Texas way is you know if you do it on private land, it's a good shoot. And if you do it on public land, it's a great hunt. So that's the, that's the difference of the mentality that we have down there in Texas. So um, just the time and the effort and the competition, because you got a guy that's next to you. He could be 150, 200 yards from you. He's blowing a duck call just like this guy in the background, maybe flaring your ducks or trying to pull the ducks off of you. Uh, then they shoot a, you're trying to work a group of mallards. He shoots a fly by single teal. And, you know, he can mm-hmm. just get frustrating there. But it's also – 
what I'm trying to tell people is don't let it frustrate you. That's part of the challenge. You just try to get better, do better, get maybe more aggressive, just getting your ducks down a little bit quicker than before the other guy does his thing, you know. So, But we try to do, and we're also trying to teach, you know, trying to be respectful to your neighbor. You know, if you see him working a group of mallards and you do have that teal come by, man, let him go, you know. Uh, you know, just don't take that one-shot pop, and then this guy's been really working some birds there. Hey, let him have his opportunity, and then hopefully he'll return the favor when you start working your mallard. So it's, it's you know, so we're trying to teach that to these yeah. younger guys as well or try to get the word out. Maybe not teach. Maybe yeah, I said that wrong. Get, we're just trying to get the word out. Get the word out. Yeah. yeah. And in our public lanes, we, we see some of that. We see some, like, you know, if you're working a birds and, and they got this big circle going on, some other group might try to take them on that big out swing. Swing, yeah. And, and it and – it, it wasn't really their, their their birds to work, but they're taking advantage of them on their swing. And, and just, I think maybe make, raising their awareness there might help kind of people realize what's going on. Because yeah. sometimes they just, people get competitive and they just, they want to they shoot because they want to shoot more than the next guy. Yeah. You know, and, they want to be better than the next guy, which I don't think is the point. And I think, I think you know, I guess as old as we are, we, we try to appreciate, to me, you know, if we got guys working next to us and they are working those mallards, we try to we, – we appreciate those guys working those birds in. We want to see them if they can seal the deal or not, and we don't want to mess it up for them. Uh, so – but those birds do pull off and they start leaving, and we know they're leaving, they're picking up. Then, you know, we might hit the call too, try to get their attention. Maybe they'll come over and take a look at us, but nine times out of ten they don't. But we're still going to try, you know. Mm -hmm. But But we always try to show respect to our neighbors and you know i think on public land if we could do a better job of that it'd be a hunt better hunting place because don't worry about the numbers you know worry about what he's talking about the journey and how and the experience of being out there and that's what it's about when you start focusing on numbers and limits then you start shooting somebody else's swings or you're trying to call call to somebody else's swing so when you know so that's the thing we're trying to get out yeah, and I I agree that nobody nobody loses if everybody practices better etiquette. Really, I yeah. Mean, there's there's everybody has a good time. And a, and a lot of things is a lot of these guys, young guys that come out. You know, their dad didn't duck hunt. You know, they're not taught, so they really don't know. They mm -hmm. they probably hadn't had anybody to teach no, them. They so. haven't. So it's not necessarily their fault. Either. Not, they just they don't not. know. Yeah, and so they just you know, and a lot of older guys I see get frustrated at them. But you know, I'm just like, well, did you invite them to hunt with you? Did you talk mm -hmm. to them? You know, because mm -hmm. it's just it's just our our responsibility too to teach those guys the right etiquette to do or what not to do and just like you know you take somebody out on the golf course you know you don't walk in front of somebody's putt mm -hmm. or you don't talk while somebody's fixing to swing the golf club you know those are things you learn it's the same thing in duck hunting so mm -hmm. so that's what we're trying to do well and i like that too instead of instead of just griping and complaining take action that's Show right. them. take that's these right. young guys under your wing and say here we'll take you out on hunt and teach you a little bit and and then from there, you know, it's out of their hands. But, yeah, offer offer a helping hand. Yeah, I like that. That's the number one question we get is, what do you do when somebody sets up too close? And I said, well, me and him always, we like, we try to invite them in our group to hunt with us. And, you know, you never know. You might learn something from those guys. You never know who you're hunting with, you know. And then they can learn something from you. And instead of trying to work against each other, just try to work with each other if you can. I know I understand sometimes you got the numbers game. You know, if I got four or five guys with me and he's got four or five, you know, you're not going to yeah. hunt ten guys. But if you do find that you got too many guys, the respect thing of who's working the birds, the other one just kind of lays off, you know, mm -hmm. just let it happen. So yeah. that's we've, the main we've thing. We've built some great, you know, a lot of we talk about frequently the relationship aspect of, you know, just life in general. You know, everything you do, 
really the successes that you find are built around good Mm -hmm. relationships and us hunting public versus private with your little group that you're consistently hunting with for the most part you know when you're hunting public like we are and you're moving around a lot you're always running into new people Mm -hmm. a lot of the problems we experience the same problems they're experiencing you know so we, we you can talk about these things with other people but like I just ran into Seth, who's judging in y'all's mm-hmm. duck deal. I mean, I met him hunting northeastern Arkansas several years ago, you yeah. know? And and their relationships that, you know, you may not hunt every year together, but you meet new people, and you get to hunt. You know, uh, the guy that's training my dog right now in the Greenville area is a friend of a guy that we hunted with up in Oklahoma yeah. several years yeah. ago. You know, so you just never know where those relationships go and and how long they can last you know yeah you invite somebody along and they may be a lifelong friend there after that that's all right and you know it's just a relationship that you can build over social media with somebody too as well you know so yeah it's been a great tool for us too sure. you know especially traveling a lot you can learn a lot meet a lot of great people yeah it's good stuff you know you just you get the word out about these young guys you know just looking at one of the deals over there at the duck dynasty group and that's the younger guys and that's their nickname that you know but I, I, you know, what I like, what I appreciate, what Duck Commander's done, whether you like him or not, he's put a highlight on our industry and as far as waterfowl, where it's been kind of at the bottom of the pile, and he's raised that up for us. So it don't matter what kind of decoys you sell, it doesn't matter what kind of boat you drive. It, he's probably sold whether he used it or not. He's probably sold more decoys whether he used that decoy brand or not, or he sold more boats and. And that's what we needed in our industry, and now it's starting to get a highlight back on it again. Mm-hmm. And it's and, and and you know we just need to continue to do what he's done is made it a positive thing. You know, there, I've never seen him do anything really negative. He's always tried to preach what he believes in, and uh, he's done a great job of that over the years. And that's something I've always res- respected. Mm-hmm. And um, so what we're doing, just what we're trying to do, is just on public land, just trying to make it where it's more respected as well. Because a lot of guys get frustrated and quit. You know, and that's the that's the wrong thing we we don't want. We don't want to go back to the bottom of the pile. So I just you know I love this sport enough to know I want to see it be at the top. Yeah. So. Yeah. So who's the who's the duck caller of the of the hunting pair here? <laughs> well, we kind of work with each other. He's you know basically uh, we work if you if you hunted with a guy long enough, you, you know your routines mm-hmm. of each other's mm-hmm. routines. He'll hit it a few times and then. Uh, he'll back off, then I'll hit it. But, you know, when it comes to finishing, I like Billy to finish them because I like to shoot, you know. <laughs> and he likes to see him hit the water. I do too, but it's, you know, feet up when I like to see him hit the water, mm-hmm. you know. So, yeah. uh, but Billy does a great job of finishing. And uh, that's, you know, you, like you said, you just kind of learn your partner who, you, who, you, who you're working with and you figure out what's what. And so, but yeah, he's probably the, the main guy, maybe the finisher, what you want to what, what say. Neither one of us are good at all, man. Oh, no, really you not in your contest no, out there. I promise you that. We, oh, we get questions all the time, you know, about, you know, how do you do this or how do you do that? Help me blow the duck call. And, and from guys that are new or whatever, you know, and I always try to tell man, you know, I think the biggest part of it is knowing when not to mess it up by overblowing. You know what I mean? Because we're not, we're neither one of us are really good duck callers. We've just figured out when we get them looking hard and in range and thinking about it, we've we've kind of learned how to close the deal more often than not. You know, not to say they ain't gonna do what they want to do, obviously, but just figured out what works for us. You know, when when you hear Seth blowing, 
we hunt with a great dude out of, out of Arkansas, like Bubba, who yeah. in my book, I don't I don't know that he's ever competed in anything, but he he's one of the best callers I've ever hunted with, and and he knows how to work them as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, those, those guys can wail on it, man. They can blow it. We we just we just get by. Yeah, and the main thing we watch, I the thing that I watch is the wing speed. And, you know, if it's slowing down, they like what they're hearing. If it's picking up, then they're not liking what they're hearing. You know, I I don't want them elevating. I want them descending. And whatever they like, we continue to do that. And it's just about reading the ducks. And, you know, sometimes that lead duck might spin off. But, it's you know, if you you got a few in the flock there, sometimes if you you lose that lead duck, then you try to work that back duck. Because if that back duck can turn, then that lead duck's going to turn right back around and be right in line again. So, I see a lot of younger guys, they see that lead duck leave and they start wailing on it, and then all of them leave. You know, if you keep that back duck just as interested as the lead duck, then you're fine. So, and it's just all about the wing speed, you know. Wing speed? Yeah. Any head position, you know, kind of, are they? Yeah, if you know, if they're looking, you know, and that's the thing me and him do, we try to separate a little bit. We don't just, on public land, you just don't want to hunt right beside each other. We kind of separate because they when you start hunting those educated ducks, they want to know exactly where that call is. And they're looking. They're not looking at the decoys. They're looking to see where that hen's at. Every time at. you hit it, you can see that head lock like, right in. They're locking here. in. They're trying to find that hen, and they're locked in on that. So when I see them lock in on him, then I start hitting it. So we just kind of work it back and forth, and that's the thing we found out. And when they start locking in on me, then he'll start pulling them off of me, and they'll just. But eventually, they get more confident, and they come down a little bit lower and a little mm-hmm. bit lower, and then finally, you know, we get a few of them set on the water. Yeah, so. those are the good tips for for calling birds there. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's uh, the thing too. I mean, here we we can't pretend that everybody we're talking to on this podcast is educated in duck hunting. We want to talk to the to the masses here. So any tips, yeah, stuff yeah. like that. That's great for guys that are. Just trying to get into waterfowling, and then don't. And if you if if you've ever heard some of these guys out here at the the calling contests, and, and you feel like oh I can't go out and blow a call, I can't I don't even take a t- take a call because I'm not that good. That's not the you know, I don't think that different style matters. of calling. Yeah. Have yeah. you ever heard a live hen or, or a young hen? I mean, they yeah. don't they wouldn't win that contest. No, you got that right. It, it's a it's a mainstream. You know, which they have the meat calling contest yeah. too, and but you know, but. Uh, the, the mainstream to me is, you know, the guy can show he can blow the duck call as far as control, balance, got a nice range. routine, range, and it does that. And But I tell the young guys all the time, you, you don't have to win a duck calling contest to be a good duck caller. And so uh, don't get frustrated in that. Just keep working and practice. As long as you sound like a duck, then they'll, they'll believe that you are a duck. So so you're, you're, you guys are from Texas. And you're going to try some Kansas City barbecue tonight. <laughs> what are your expectations? And I, I wish we could do this podcast maybe like tomorrow or something, too, to get your thoughts afterwards. I mean, obviously, you're probably going to be partial to that Texas barbecue. but We can call it halftime and just finish at the barbecue joint. <laughs> I mean, I'm not opposed to that. We can walk in with this and yeah. eat some barbecue. And Yeah, I mean, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. But We're excited to try it, that's for so, sure. Mm-hmm. So. Never had it before? No, never had it here. But, you know, Texas is known for barbecue. Mm-hmm. So, it is. So it's, you know, if you come to Texas, you have to eat barbecue. So, but, yeah, we're 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 excited about trying it, that's for sure. And it's yeah. funny, everybody thinks they've got the best barbecue. Yeah. Well, about, like you said, I think you mentioned before we started this about four places, you know, Kansas City, Texas. What, like Tennessee, Tennessee and Carolina? And Carolina. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I mean – I don't, I don't know. We've we talked about which one's the best. I think I think Kansas is really good and Texas. You're going to have a pretty 
tough choice. Yeah. You'll probably lean the Texas way because you're from there, but it's going to be <laughs> you, you. Who knows? You might be surprised because I've had them both. Uh, oh, you know, good. being living up here, my dad, my parents lived in Longview a long time ago, um, and then over by Tyler, and then my dad got a job up here, and I've been up here ever since. So, so which one would you pick? Oh, uh, I'd probably have to go with Kansas City. Kansas City, really? really? Mm -hmm. Okay. Have you ever had Stanley's though? I don't think I have. Oh, you gotta eat Stanley's. Hey, anytime you come back towards Texas and you end up in the Tyler area, you gotta go buy Stanley's. Tyler, yeah. 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 yeah good it's ribs. Neat. It's got good ribs, good food, great atmosphere. You couldn't ask for a better atmosphere. Got bands, live bands there, so you'll love it. Yeah. Hey, a couple of these guys on the podcast, uh, on the live Instagram right now are gonna be out tomorrow mm -hmm. uh at the event, which we're super pumped about. Yeah. Uh, you guys store. I, this is the first time. Have you ever been in the store here? No, that's what I was telling them earlier. I was just really excited to be here, seeing all the new gear that's out, and uh, it's kind of got me fired up. You oh know, yeah, got, got you know the I, the hair on the back of my neck's already up, and I'm just yeah. hearing Shane, these guys blowing the duck call over there. I'm I ready had, to get started. I had to have so. Shane lock my wallet up in the truck. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, you know what I do the the Monday after this weekend is I get all the waterfowl gear out and I separate it, organize it, clean it, put things in the right pockets because I don't do that at the end of the season. Yeah, when I've done it's well, the same it, way. Done. <laughs> it You're is tired. Just, it's I just back up. I don't have the decoys aren't in the right bags or aren't in bags. But then the Monday after this event, everything gets pulled out, cleaned off, brushed off the flocking or whatever on the decoys and all the cords wrapped up nice and all the shells put in the right location because it's 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 time to get ready. Oh, man. It's got me real excited. I mean, I could start tomorrow. Yeah. I'm so ready for it. Well, a lot of these guys are asking about decoys. Yeah. I, I went and looked at them. I wanted to see. I'd heard a lot about uh, some of the new GHG stuff. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, and y'all got a lot of good-looking decoys. Oh, over what brands are you, you guys carry? Ooh, um, pretty we'll much start, all I'll of them. Start really. with, think, i got to think about the rows here. But Avian X to Higdon. Dakota. Dakota. Green headgear, FA, DOA. DOA, and then we have um, Stormfront, which is Flambeau, mm -hmm. and then we also have Flextone, which is new this year. Um, Bigfoot is a Canada Goose, pretty much mainly decoy mm -hmm. company. Um, what else am I missing? Anything? And then, of course, all the, the companies that make spinning wing, spinning stuff. wing yeah, and like water motion. We have a lot of those, real decoy yeah. and so stuff like that. Do you, do you have a... Uh, and I don't know if you know. I don't know if you have a most popular brand right now. I mean, is it when yeah, something new comes no, out? Is that what kind of everybody jumps on, or, or do you have? Yeah, there's uh man. They're so competitive now because they're all going after. They're all gunning after the same thing. But we have so much technology and decoys in the past four or five years. When I first started here, um, the decoys are kind of all the same. They're very hard plastic. You know, they're they're good carves and good paint. Mm -hmm. You know, but they're just kind of the market was kind of stagnant, and then. You know, boom, uh, you know, AVNX came out. They came up with a super soft mallard, like super soft body floating mallard. And what that does is that, that supple material uh, adheres to the paint better and it's, it can take a beating. It doesn't crack. You know, it flexes to the to the abuse. And then, boom, all of a sudden everybody started going after that. Foam field came into the market, you know, quite a, not too, I mean, not forever ago, but it's, it's decently new to the market. So that's a different aspect for guys leaving them out for a long time. Or have young kids who like to shoot decoys, you know. Water swat. What, what can what, you say? Hold on. What do you, you mean young kids? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, when you're getting them landing the decoys, you know, some of them just going to get hit. I yeah. mean, that's just bottom line, yeah. you know, so. Yeah. 
You're not wrong. Yeah, <laughs> it happens. We, we've uh, a little story here. We find we find we hunt a reservoir up here, public, and uh, sometimes we like to get our blind. We can we can put a blind out all year if we draw it. If we draw the blind, and we can build this blind up on a cut bank. So at this, you know, the water line comes up, and from over years, there's a cut bank, which is just like a straight cliff. You know, sometimes they can be sized, you know, ten foot tall or something. We're probably eight foot up, and we build a blind on top of that, so we can actually. Um, when we're finishing these birds, they're more at our horizontal level. But sometimes when they finish really good, we're shooting down at oh, the decoys, man. and we've destroyed some, the spreads a couple times. Oh, yeah. Because we'll, uh, we'll have a group of divers come in because uh, we get some on these bigger reservoirs. We'll get bluebills and stuff, or we'll have teal come in. Golden eye. And they'll come in, yeah, golden eyes. They'll come in really, really hot, really low, and we will unload. But luckily the decoys we put out there aren't, the most prettiest decoys we ever mm -hmm. use. Yeah. That's a different spread for a different hunt. But, yeah, it's kind of funny. We have some videos of a guy. It's kind of funny. We, we go through a volley. We shoot. Duck, ducks are dropped. Decoys start flipping over, and he's over here on the side. I think I shot a decoy, and then we're we all look to each other like we all shot decoys. <laughs> <laughs> They're all flipping over. They're all got their heads blown off. But, yeah, I mean, for me, decoy-wise, there's so, there's so many. There's about three or four options now out that are so light. There's... Avian X have a very soft body, and they have a great carve and great paint. Um, Dakota has a new packable mallet that is even lighter than, than a lot of them, and they actually collapse, yeah. which is a really neat feature for a lot of guys in different scenarios. One, if you want more room in your boat. Two, if you're walking in or got to hike in or if you just don't have the space. These decoys will, on a normal 12-slot decoy bag, you can take this packable decoy and put three of them in one slot, which normally you'd only be able to put one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So now you can start saving space and get more decoys out. Same amount of um, effort, two or three yeah. the, times the amount of decoys. You know, mm -hmm. and then GHD came out with the new XD series, which is a soft body, which is their first year, but they've really been working on it for a long time to perfect it. And their, their carver went absolutely over the top on the design and the detail, um, you know, just to put more odds in your favor to help birds finish even closer. It is a great decoy, and they're durable. Mm -hmm. we, we got a video up we did weeks ago on these – XD Mallards, and we... Drove truck over them? Yeah, drove, I mean, drove the truck over them, dragged them behind the truck, hit them with the baseball bat, I mean, we and then, you know, rubbed them together. We just really tried to beat on them, but they're, the material is so soft, it is, it's so porous, and it was able to grab that paint, and all that stuff wasn't really affecting the decoys, what you think it, it would. And then, uh, so, like, when we, we hit them with... And we had a batting cage at our, at our warehouse. We hit him with a baseball bat. We drug him behind the <laughs> truck. And we got him here somewhere. Everybody's looking at him. Um, we were going to hang him up. I don't know what happened to him. But it just they, they held up great. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I was – because we, you know, in a bag, you put them in a mesh bag, the decoys be grinding on each other back yeah. and forth when you're walking or moving around. And so a lot of times you find your paint rubbing off on the sides or on the head sometimes. And then um, and when it gets real cold, you know, some of the – that. A harder plastic, you bang it, it can crack where the keel connects at, stuff like that. That's what they're starting to fix. And then the mm -hmm. foam field, like I said. DOA's got a new foam field. Yeah. Yep, coming out. But, mm -hmm. I mean, the. We do a lot of walking, though, man. And I, I don't know. The foam fields seem a little heavy for they us. Are. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They are going to be heavier, yeah. I see guys either in boats or have a duck club and kind of leave them out and let them be and don't worry about them. Because, I mean, they're these, these they foam fields last. are unsinkable. I mean, you could shoot them. A ton of times, and they're still halfway going to be floating the correct way up. Their head might be blown off, but <laughs> um, 
they're still going to be out there, you know. But uh, I mean, the foam filter—they got their purpose, but they're they're maybe not um, not for everybody as far as you know being able to. They're, they're, I mean, they're not. They add weight. Yeah. Because you're you're talking multiple dozens of decoys, and when you add a little bit of weight to every one of those decoys, it gets starts to get heavy. Absolutely. Y'all yeah. have one of the biggest selections on decoys. Yeah. I mean, y'all got rolls and rolls of them. Yeah. We got pallet racks yeah. full yeah. of them, and we got a warehouse, a hundred thousand square foot warehouse that's just full of them right now, anyways. And uh, it's just we love it. We're we're nerds about decoys, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. Uh, do y'all sell thing. more here? I'm sorry. Do y'all yeah. sell more here at the store or online? It depends on, um, I mean, your totals, I think, uh, it switched because it didn't used to be. But online is, our online presence has really ramped up the past few years. We used to do amazing, and you know, well, we'd still do amazing in oh, the store. Oh, absolutely. It's just the whole internet thing. We, you know, we used to be sell more in store, but that's when our website was small. That's when we were running everything out of this store. So it was mm-hmm. very, we're very young. And at this point now, I mean, our website is just boomed. Uh, over the past three or four years, it's absolutely ridiculous how many moves we had to bigger warehouse this year. We had to get a bigger warehouse this year, and then we had and we keep growing, and we're growing rapidly fast. And now the warehouse and, or the website, which I call the warehouse, the website is just it's just outperforming. It's it's a blast over there. That's well, kind of where we hang out at. And we, yeah, that's where we work from most of the time. I think what helps with that too is, you know, a lot of people have come in here. Um, or they've seen the decoy at some point somewhere. Well, if if the, they spend over a hundred bucks with us, it's free shipping. So even if you live an hour away, yeah, you know you don't have to drive an hour away. You can just order it right off your phone or computer, and it ships to your door for free. We don't charge for shipping. So yeah. at over a hundred dollars. So yeah. and it's not hard to get a over a hundred dollars yeah. on some decoys. All no, right, oh, yeah. yeah. Don't take long. No. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't. And, the, and, and the one thing why our website's doing so well is because there's not a ton of people who do what we do. Who offer those products around the around the country? I mean, some guys really are. I mean, they're they're closest. Uh, I hate to say the name, Bass Pro Cabela's is probably four or five hours away, you know. And then their their farm and home store might have a decoy, or you know, maybe not even waiters. You know, they don't they can't get the stuff. You yeah. know, and that's why the website I think has been booming because mm-hmm. they just don't have access to all the great gear. Um, they have to make special trips out of it, which a lot of guys do for this event. People, mm-hmm. we got people coming from the East Coast, West Coast. Well, I've been checking North. out. You guys have been doing a good job uh, with your online presence as well. I don't. I may have just missed it uh, if it's been going on for quite some time. But it seems like uh, more recently, you guys done a great job with the. You both sit in and you do little Instagram videos, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. maybe on YouTube too. I don't YouTube, know. We I catch them on yeah. your IGTV we, stuff we, lately. We really start. We started last a year ago. I mean, right, at, just about a year ago. Last yeah. year, July is when we picked that up. I mean, we got Aaron started working here a few years. How many? Two years. Uh, yeah, a little over two years ago. Yeah. And then I kind of, I don't know. It wasn't necessarily intentional. Kind of migrated into well, let's do a little bit of social media, and then it just it, I kind of just took it over. Well, and the then, product review stuff that you guys do, I enjoy watching. Yeah. It. I mean, it's good yeah. information. We didn't, you know, we saw it. We just we saw the market didn't have it, and other markets did. You know. Other, you know, different, you could think about uh, hobby markets, like maybe motorcycle. You could go on YouTube or these other uh, Facebooks, and you can watch videos all day long about motorcycle helmets or, or jackets or parts or anything like that. And they do all this, these reviews, and, and they, and it's a lot of times there are stores doing it, and it's kind of clicked in my head. It's like, man, we got to start doing this because mm-hmm. not everybody, when someone sees it in a catalog or a flyer, and they just see the picture. I mean, that doesn't really give them what they want to see, and, 
and we kind of we've always been geeky about people came to this store from a long ways away so they can see all these decoys at different times well if you go to our website you can't if you can look at a picture but not until you you scroll down maybe on a page and look at that video can you really see the what you're looking at and it, it gives people more buying power they know more they're confident what they're buying and we just and we love doing it we were just oh yeah we're so or we love picking apart details on on the decoys and, and looking and see what's great about this one what what's the angle this why is this decoy in the market then we and we uh and we we do that with shotgun shells too a little bit well, first and foremost, I mean, we're hunters, too. We're duck hunters. And so I'm thinking, okay, if it were me watching this, what would I want to see? What do I want to know about this? Mm-hmm. You know, we're trying to give someone an experience as close to being in the store as possible, showing that decoy from every angle, top, bottom, side, mm-hmm. whatever, talking about all the features. You know, if it yeah. were me, what would I want to see? What do I want to know to make that person feel confident in their decision buying that product? Yeah. So we think of it from that aspect because we're hunters. That's, yeah. We want to know. People ate it up last year when we, we did a review of uh, all, like, the Mallard decoys. We put them all next to each other. Yeah. And we went over what this decoy had going for it. What was the angle of this one? I mean, this one was uh, maybe a more economy. It was lower price. I, rem- but, I did see that one. I but, remember yeah. that. That but it's good. still decent. But then this one's, you know, the high end, but it's all the flocked. It's fully flocked. Mm-hmm. It looks like a real duck, you know. And talking about and this, this one's one. lightweight. Yeah. And, you know, we, all that. That's when people really got to say, okay, what am I going to do this year? Because um, people are, duck hunters love their decoys. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's a tough decision, too. We see all the new stuff come in, and you're like, oh, i got to get a couple dozen of those. And then you see the next one come in, you're like, oh, maybe I want those instead. And then the next one comes in, you're like, man. And then you buy them, then you're like, you see another one, you're like, oh, oh I should have waited. <laughs> it's tough. Yeah. It really it is. is. You have a spread like mine, which is every angle of every different thing. And I have different mixtures. Oh, man. Of Some days I want to be running some of these and then some of those. and. The, you know, these days I'll run the fully flocked big guys, you know, or these days I'll be running all the light stuff mm-hmm. and, um, or I'll run, you know, more of the, the puddle, like more of the marsh packs, you know, all the pintails and widget and gad, or I'll just mm-hmm. run all mallards sometimes when I'm running again. And it just, I, I love decoys and decoy I, accessories. Yeah. No, yeah. and that's the that's the thing too. A lot of people their OCD kicks in, and they got to have all of brand X or all of brand Y. You're not like that. No, I have everybody. You've got brand X Y Z A Q R. You know what we we we've gotten away from that as well, especially with the inventory that stacks up over 20 plus years yeah. of hunting together. You know, and it, it's nice for us to be able to throw. You know, you, you're getting like you mentioned, you get some strong carvings. You know, each brand's got a different one. You know, it's nice throw out some different looks mm-hmm. yeah, not, yeah all, not all ducks look the same not all right ducks look the same. Yeah. you know and I've, I've pointed out like some real real details like on i think i don't think that this is on purpose i don't know but if you take a dakota duck decoy and you look at the carve it's it's different than everybody else they have a really high back real high tail you know a lot of white on the rear tail which i think is great for visibility yeah and you take some other ducks and they're they're more lifelike which is which is great still they look like a real duck but if, if you've ever watch ducks laying in water and then put it on slow-mo and watch that when that duck hits that water the like when it hits that water the tail is high and 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 their backs are high and then they usually they ruffle their feathers and then they settle down so when i see that dakota duck in a spread that looks like a group just made the successful landing came in there's no threat no danger at all you're coming behind them and that duck that's just a little something little detail give it that little jerk Mm -hmm. on that string exactly Mm -hmm. Uh, there's a lot of, there's some questions coming in. Uh, here's one about 
decoy rigging. Dennis and I have gotten to where we like using the lifetime uh, rigging, yeah. the, the memory. We, we're, we historically don't take really good care of our stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, so like the bags with the individual pockets, we've all done it. And, mm -hmm. and you know, he, uh, we tried very hard to make sure, you know, but you get some dirt on them anyway. You end up, we take those lifetimes, tie it in a knot, slide knot all the way down, clip them to the boat handle in front of the boat. And we can put four or five, six decoy, dozen decoys up there, and they fit real good. And that lifetime for us didn't have a lot of memory. Uh, you guys carry a, I went and checked it out. A, a, I didn't realize there were so many different opportunities for decoy <laughs> yeah. rigging. Yeah. Weight sizes, different types of string. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Texas the, rigs galore. The Texas rig, I mean, it, it kind of transitioned, you know. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of great rigs out there, and but the, the steel cable, you know, they're they're a little bit more expensive, but they're a lifetime rig, like that's their name. So they're they're steel cable. They're gonna last a long time. But they picked a great cable diameter, um, I think, uh, and the the limpness of that line. It's so nice for guys when you have a bunch of decoys. Maybe if you have a more than a dozen. I personally like to make things easier on myself, and I bunch my decoys in like sixes or sevens. I don't care about dozens, you know. But I'll buy extra carabiners and I'll keep the decoys down. And I'll put them in big bulk bags, and I'll let them rustle around. But if I bunch them in sixes or sevens, they fit in the decoy bag easier. Because have you ever taken a big mesh bag and tried to put a dozen decoys in oh, the top yeah. of it? <laughs> Doesn't work. It don't work. So I, I bunch them in like six or sevens, and then the lifetime rigs. I mean, I've been using steel cables for a couple of years now. And they're so they're so soft and supple, and, and they don't get tangled up. They don't get kinks. Uh, it's a it's a it really is a great way to a great option to jump up and use. And then the Texas rig side of things, I think um, picking them up and throwing them out, all that stuff is I think is is just the way to go. Well, With, if you rig them right, the Texas way, in my opinion, I mean, you could you could pick them up, you can move them, you can put them out, and you never have to worry about your hands getting wet, which it's something we talked a lot with our kids you know hey we'd be out here longer if you if you stay dry you'll stay warm you mm -hmm. know and we don't worry about it so much at you know at our age but uh especially in the areas we hunt primarily but with the kids especially you know being able to pick those up keep your hands dry you know i don't know it's just really convenient yeah yeah you pick the decoy right up and that that loop is right there you can grab the loop and put it on the carabiner or Go. just grab the carabiner yeah. the loop and hold on to it you don't get your hands dirty. Yeah, and there's another Texas, not really Texas rig style, but where the loop's at the bottom under the weight. And so you have to lift the decoy up. All the way And up. pull this, you know, all that, you know, that's because uh, the weight slides, mm -hmm. not actually the swivel slides. And, sure. You know, that's that still works. But that, that Texas rig, I think, is so much nicer. And then I like to, like you guys said, tie a knot. I actually tie a slip knot. When I, when I get all my decoys up, I wrap a loop and then I I shove it a loop through and tie it and cinch and it down. You got a handle. And then and then you have the handle over yeah. your shoulder. And then whenever you're ready to go, I just pop that and they all pop out and you start throwing. You know. Yeah. So. Absolutely. I think we had a video last year, kind of on a on a tip on how to do that because mm -hmm. some people will just kind of wrap it inside of it and then tie a knot, which works keeps them separated. But when you tie that slip knot. Yeah. No, that's a good idea. I hadn't done that. We usually just tie that knot down and clip the carabiner back. Yeah. I see a lot of guys do that. So I do your, the same thing. What's, what's your guys' favorite duck and what's your bucket list duck? 
What's your My f- favorite duck is the mallard. Is it mallard? Right? There's no doubt. Is that I what mean, you guys see mostly? Or do you I see s- more like pintails or widgeons or something odd? We see a lot of see. pintail, a lot of widgeon, a lot of gadwall, a ton of teal all year long. Uh, we yeah. just, I just. Wood to, ducks. To, to me, it's just a challenge because, you know, to me, I'm just saying this. The mallard duck to me is probably the smartest duck out there. So, um, you know, to call him, he's, you know, his visual is very very good you know to me i think a mallard potency is almost if not better than a turkey can so the challenge of that of getting those in and committed and shooting them off the water or right above the water or whatever you know i think that's that's our our go-to duck yeah i think my wish duck i got really two of them okay you're allowed to (laughs) i'd like to get me a cinnamon teal one of these that's that's one of mine too yeah and then i guess the harlequin uh, yeah, those uh, are yeah, those you, are cool. Yeah, so I think that's my two wish ducks. I don't know. I don't know what mine are. I'm trying to think of mine right now. Cinnamon teal's definitely. I know that's one that's. Yeah. Yeah, you know, in Texas, you know, we get the green wing, we get the blue wing, but man, we just uh, in the all the years I've been doing it, and I've seen one cinnamon shot out of Texas. Really? I'm not saying it couldn't happen, but yeah, it's, and it was it was shot off a of Durham Lake. A buddy really? of mine shot it. Yeah, he got it mounted and everything, and I was just so jealous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, Steve Rogers, who who owns Rogers, his daughter, uh, they they have some duck hunting land up up north, and they I think was it last year or two years ago they were actually seen some cinnamon teal on their on their property. I don't think I've ever seen one. I don't, one, to be I don't honest, think they right? got any. They couldn't. They weren't hunting them, or they didn't get any shots off, but they saw them up there. But they have some. They have some pretty good duck ground, and they they get to tell me about all the times they've seen black ducks and cinnamon teal and all these ducks that I've never seen when hmm. I'm public. You know, I just yeah. I we've been out on days and hunting mallards and we'll, we we got a limit of four and then we have two bonus ducks is what we, what we call them. We'll yeah. sit out and we'll shoot four mallards. We'll be excited. We'll be all feeling good and we will wait for three hours and we won't see enough yeah. bonus ducks to fill a, a six man. And that's not the point of us filling the six man limit, but you know you won't you won't spend your time out there yeah. too. It's about you know it's not about getting your limit. You you going yeah. you only got a limited time amount of the season to mm-hmm. begin with mm-hmm. and it's very short so. You get your four mallards and you leave, and you know where you can versus stay out there three more hours. Well, we do the same thing. We're yeah. going to stay out there three more hours. We're going to enjoy yeah. every minute that we possibly can. Yeah, invite the guy that brings the coffee and snacks, and uh, you can stay uh, out there all day. Uh, oh yeah, <laughs> you know, you know, we got the WMAs that we hunt. You get, you know, you got to be through hunting by noon, be off the really? water by one. So, you know, if we hadn't finished, we're going to stay out there till mm-hmm. it's time to go. You um, know, so I think we're, I think it's is it one o'clock for a lot of our areas too. It, it depends on the the, on area. the, on the area. It really but depends. We have some of the same thing, but yeah. I think it's. I've actually been out one day with a group and uh, a group of good buddies of mine. We go out and we. I don't think we we drew the best spot. Uh, I can't remember. This is a walk-in so y'all, area. Y'all draw we, numbers or? on certain public areas. Yeah, we. Yeah, do. you got to draw. We, we draw pills or whatever and. Some are the, the drawing systems different in different area, uh, different waterfowl locations. But uh, I don't know if we got the best spot at the beginning. I think we set up wrong or rushed. You know, we, you know, we really wanted to be over here, but we had to settle for somewhere else because we didn't get the right spot. But man, the you know the sky lit up. You hear the shooting. You know, birds are dropping, and then everybody left. And this is like nine o'clock because it was. I mean, this is a good part of the year. Because I, I just think there everybody's got their four bird limit or something, and then right after that is about ten o'clock. We had we had you know scratched a couple, but it just like those skies lit up, and we had the, the a heyday at about ten thirty or eleven, 
And if we didn't, if we packed up and left at nine o'clock when everybody else did, we wouldn't have ever got that chance. No, a lot of times you'll get a late shoot. You won't yeah. think it'll come in, and then just it's like out of nowhere they just seemed like everybody else kind of left, and we're like, okay, well, man, we've been sitting here for three hours, and we've got you know two, <laughs> and they were right at the shooting light. We've been sitting here for three hours, you know, and we're just seeing everybody else have their have their way, and then all of a sudden. 10:30. Everybody's else rolled around, you know, left, and then mm-hmm. all of a sudden they comes in, and you know, it's the skies lit up. Just mallards, you know, you know, good sized groups pick out the drakes. It was sunny that day. Oh, it was yeah. just, it was That's just bad. awesome. Yeah, but, they come uh, in for lunch hours. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and if we if we would have left, it was like 10:30. I mean, if we would have left at nine or when everybody else we started seeing everybody else pack out, we wouldn't have seen that. Got that opportunity, and we filled a, a we got a four man limit of mallards that day. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. we were all. That's awesome. That was a that was a great day. I remember that. Favorite duck, bucket list duck. Smile. Shoveler. No. <laughs> no. It is a smile. It's not really. It is. I'm I'm a Maller guy too, but mm-hmm. I can't help it. There's something about if that shoveler sneaks in, he I might I might just have to get him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's it's become more of a joke and sure. with the guy you know, he used to pick on me a lot, but so now if I see one sliding around the corner, I may I may pop it. Mm-hmm. Hey, they eat just as good as a mallard. I know they do got a bad rep, but they do. They they, they eat know, fine. They eat fine. Mm-hmm. And of course, he'll say he they got a green head too. So yeah, see, uh, fits right in there. They yeah. don't have green heads when they roll through here. Yeah. Uh, when they get down to Texas, they're they, pretty birds. Oh yeah, yeah. they are. Yeah. I imagine they're very no We don't get to see them looking that good up here. Yeah. Yeah. I got one of them mounted. Yeah. So yeah, but no, I think they got a bad rap of people saying they don't eat good. I I think they do eat very. You just good. gotta know how to cook them. You just gotta know how to cook them. Absolutely. So. Y'all gonna have a guy here tomorrow, wild game cook. He's supposed to bring us. He said he's gonna hook us up with some sausage he made. Oh, you talk about Uh-oh. some recipes on cooking some good stuff, man. He's got it. But I'd have to go with the harlequin too on the. Mm-hmm. I never. Even, I don't know if I've ever seen one. That's your bucket list duck. Where they at? Get them up in Washington, that area. Yeah, that northwest. Northwest area. You know, they're in the – you only can, I think uh, – I mean, we've been up I there a couple of times, but I don't – Don't hold my feet to the fire, but I think you can get a permit. You're only allowed to shoot one, which is a drake, and you only get one per year or something like that. It's yeah, just it's something crazy rules, but, yeah. I was talking to some people in, in Europe and then over in their type of waterfowl hunting. Some places you get a tag for one goose a year. Yeah. And that's, that's like, really? So – That's kind of crazy. What's but, your limit down there in Texas on ducks? Uh, usually it's five mallards, six total. Okay, gotcha. so five yeah, we run we run four and two, and then those those bonus ducks have their limits too. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. And we you know we can shoot six gadwall, whatever. Uh, there's some you know, um, out of the five mallards, two can only be hens. Yep. We so. have that that same uh, same rule up there. And then we got like three three wood ducks total. You know, so whatever comes first, six or three, you know, so certain limits. So, um, but, you know, of course, you go to Arkansas, there's different limits for different WMAs. So, I mean, there's one WMA, you know, you, four being total. So, um, you just got to be careful, you know, and, you know, I get questions all the time on rules. And just my advice to everybody is be sure you get the, the information sheet on each WMA because every rule is different. Did you so, not shower today? Yeah. I don't know. Uh, who do I get to blame for these flies? <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, that's the main thing because you don't want to get in trouble. So. Yeah. Yeah. 
What was that decoy? One of these uh, Clayton in here asked about the most durable decoy. What was that one you was talking about? Y'all was driving over XD oh, greenhead gear. Greenhead gear GHG XD decoy. I mean, I seen it. It's a good yeah. looking decoy. It is a good. Mm-hmm. Look. They put a lot of carve into it, and yeah. the, and it's a good thickness of plastic. Hit the, hit the close button. Uh oh. There we go. We're back. Sorry about that, Clayton. <laughs> hey, appreciate the heads up, Cass and Blast. Clayton, did you hear that? It was the GHG uh, yep. XD series. Mallard. XD series. Yeah, yep. And it's uh, I mean, they just it's good soft, supple body, and it's the paint it adheres to that material real well, so you can beat it, scratch it, all that stuff, and it uh, and it, and it'll withstand that beating. Sometimes when these hard plastic decoys that we used to have on the market, and that paint adhesion, you know, when it's cold or just banging on each other, the paint will chip, chip off, yeah. and you'll you'll get to see the the color of the plastic under it and. Um, these newer decoys, I mean, even the Avian X and the Dakota, these softer decoys are holding that paint a lot better. Yeah. So they can just withstand a beating. And then they're soft, so they can take a take an impact. Is their yeah. head soft as well? I didn't pay attention. A lot of them, they are, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, mo- I think all of them are now. I mean, they're all now one-pieces. They're one-piece okay. molds. A lot of, okay. Some decoys in the past, you had to screw your heads on, you know. Yeah. And they still have those out there. Those are hard body decoys or more of a harder plastic decoy but these all these i think how these have to be made have to be made in a one piece mm-hmm. um you know two-sided mold and one piece uh, decoy so the heads are all attached so you can't twist them or anything but you don't have anything to go wrong there either some decoys you know over the years they've you screw your head on you grab the head of the decoy throw it out and there goes the decoy and you have your head in your hand <laughs> yeah um, um but you can I mean, you can obviously reattach it unless it broke. But these 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 decoys that are all one piece, you don't have to worry about any of that. They're 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 darn durable now. Sure. Yeah. So we're going on an hour, and I could probably talk duck hunting for another four. But I think if we try and do that, they're going to lock us in the store here. Yeah. So and we just lost our Instagram yeah, feed. Too, oh, so. we did. All right. Yeah. So <laughs> anybody have any final thoughts? <laughs> no. uh, any final thoughts? Well, I can just tell you, uh, we're really excited to be here and see you guys place, yeah. and and I I'm so stoked. Mm-hmm. to just get to hang out with all the people who are so passionate about waterfowl yeah. hunting tomorrow. So. Yeah, we're going to be uh, surrounded by a lot of diehard waterfowlers. Yeah. So you'll, awesome. feel, you'll feel at home, and it'll be a, it's going to be a blast. Well, that's the thing. You get so many like-minded people in one place. It's a great time. Raise the yeah. excitement, that's oh, for sure. absolutely. If you thought just there was ha- the hair was standing up on your neck tonight, <laughs> wait till tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Wait till tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah, today was just stuff. a little pre-roll. The big the, the Saturday Sunday is just a big deal. So all the contests will be running in the morning, kick off at nine, we'll open at nine and duck calls will be you'll hear those all day long, goose calls, bet calls all day long. It's it just makes you I love it. I'll listen to duck call all day long. Oh, me too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh absolutely. Any final awesome. thoughts for you no, guys? No. I'm good. Not really. You're ready to get on that barbecue. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't blame you one bit. I, I, I think Shane is too. He, he, you know, he's getting pretty hungry. Yeah. yeah. He's been pacing over <laughs> there. He's smiling. <laughs> he's smiling. Absolutely. Well, we'll have to we'll have to hit you up tomorrow and let you, um, pick your brain and see what yeah. you think. Oh yeah. We'll yeah. give you the final results. So, all right. Appreciate all right, guys. you guys very yeah, much. Appreciate it. Thank absolutely. you. Absolutely.